Hello ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to VUX World, the practical voice podcast. On the theme of practicality, we're excited to announce today the Voice Readiness Assessment. It's an online assessment, it'll take you 5 minutes, maybe 10 minutes, the more you put in, the more you'll get out, that will essentially benchmark your organisation's current position and assess how ready you are to embark on a voice strategy. It's at this stage of the technology adoption when we're over a third of households now have smart speakers and over half of the population talk to their voice assistants on their phone. It's at this point that organisations are thinking about whether or not they should be investing in this technology, whether or not voice has something there for them. Many organisations don't really know where to start, don't know whether or not they've already got the skills and tools that they need to begin or whether or not they need to go and acquire upskill. And this assessment will give you an understanding of where your strengths are, where you should be doubling down where your weaknesses are, where you should be improving. It'll assess your organization's capability, your skill sets, your technology stack. It'll assess the way that you're thinking about ROI, the way that you're approaching use cases and whether or not you're thinking along the right kind of lines. And we'll include a whole load of tips and insights on what you can do to get started in the right way if you haven't got a strategy in place. And if you have got a strategy in place, it'll tell you how you can take the right steps forward in the right direction. We've seen so many organizations make so many mistakes in terms of poor execution, not finding the right use case, not implementing it in the right kind of way. And we don't want you to repeat the same mistakes. We want you to get it right first time. And so head to vux.world slash voice. It's an online assessment. It'll take you five minutes, 10 minutes tops to complete. And me and Dustin, after that, will create you a bespoke report handcrafted for your organization with tailored and personalized insights and recommendations. And it's all absolutely free. We just want to see you do good stuff properly. So head to vux.world slash voice now to take the voice readiness assessment. It's up there as we speak and we're looking forward to helping you go about your voice strategy in the right way. Now, without further ado, this is Nicholas Bergstrom of Read Speaker getting a deep dive into what text-to-speech is and how it works on VUX World. VUX World. VUX World. VUX World. And here we go. We are live. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Welcome to VUX World. I'm your host, Kane Sims, and I'm joined, as always, by your host, Dustin Coates. Dustin, how do? Going pretty well. How are you, Kane? Very well. Very well. It's a little bit rainy today in uh, in Royal Tunbridge Wells. It doesn't look very royal outside, but uh, is it raining in Paris? Not right now, but I got to go outside my neighbourhood for the first time on Monday, and it poured. Wow. It poured. Wow. So... Just so it's, it's, telling, it. it's telling me I need to get back indoors, I think is what it's saying. <laughs> Interesting. It's, uh, yeah, it's so slow, that, isn't it? You kind of, it's been absolutely fantastic all week last week and uh, pisses down this week. But uh, but anyway, on with the show. And, and Nicholas, our guest today, by the way, boys and girls, is Nicholas Bergstrom, uh, CEO of Read Speaker. And we're going to be getting into a really interesting conversation about text-to-speech. It's the core, one of the core components that makes voice assistants and voice user interfaces work. Uh, and Nicholas has a huge amount of experience in that field. Uh, Nicholas, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you. Thank you. Nice to be here. Very nice to have you here. And uh, what is it like over there? You're in Sweden, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm based in Sweden, in uh, Uppsala. It's uh, it's pretty quiet. Um, so we, we don't have a you know, big lockdown here, but it's, um, yeah, people are encouraged not to, you know, mingle about in groups and, uh, you know, take, you know, leave some space between you and the other fella. Apart from that, it's uh, going on. It's slow, but yeah. yeah. So what is, what is, is there not many cases in Sweden? Like, is it not kind of as bad as other places? I'm not familiar with what the situation is over there. Uh, I'm not sure. I think we had something like 2,300 deaths. Uh, I don't know exactly how many infected, but, uh, but we also, count all all the people all the elderly people that die in retirement homes and stuff not only and on the in the hospitals therefore i guess the numbers are a bit higher than they are if you compare to other countries but right. yeah cool 
So how long is how long has it been for you, Dustin? How long how long has the lockdown been over there in France? Man, it's hard to say. Uh, time time has no meaning anymore. <laughs> I think it's been probably about a month and a half at least. It, it definitely feels longer, but I think that's about about how long it's been. Wow. Well, yes. Well, there we go. Anyway, on on with the show. It's been it's been a mad few weeks, but the benefit actually of, of spending all this time inside is that we've done a hell of a lot more of these live streams, uh, and we've had some immense conversations with some immense people. Nicholas being one of them. Um, we'll get into Reed Speaker, and, and we'll cover a little bit of Reed Speaker. Well, a lot of Reed Speaker, and, and what it does, and, and how it functions, etc. But before we kind of get into that, it's worth for context for for the people tuning in. And by the way, for everyone tuning in, thank you for tuning in and we're going to probably throw this open for some questions as well as as we kind of go through the show today uh but nicholas for, for people who are not familiar with with yourself do you want to give us a bit of a context in terms of you know your experience and how you ended up uh, at reed speaker yeah so uh currently i'm not actually not the ceo anymore i'm the cto these days uh Right. Well, I seen um, that. I seen that on your LinkedIn profile. I seen yeah. CTO, and when I posted today that we'll be joined by my original post was CTO, and then I changed it because when I googled you, I found something that said CEO. So apologies for that. Yeah. No. No, no problem. Uh, flattered. No. I, I used to be. I, I used to be for many years. Yeah. I. Uh, well, basically, I, I founded the company uh, with Speaker originally in 1999, uh, and um, yeah. So it was pretty much about accessibility at that time. We, uh, we started to um, develop web reading services for, um, for, for websites, basically, adding a listen button so people that had you know, difficulties to read themselves could easily you know, uh, consume the information. So we're still doing that, by the way. We have like 10,000 customers around the world. Uh, so we were basically developing, selling uh, those kind of solutions, also like uh, telephony solutions where you could dial in and listen to your email using text-to-speech um, back in, in 2001, actually. So that was quite, quite long ago. Um, but uh, yeah, so after a few years, we started to develop uh, text-to-speech technology. Uh, in the early days, we licensed the third-party uh, text-to-speech. Um, and what happened in a few years ago, it was that we were acquired by Hoya, which is a huge uh, multinational uh, Japanese uh, company. And they, uh, they had uh, a couple of companies themselves uh, in Texas Speech being NeoSpeech in the US, which is a quite famous uh, name, and also Voiceware in Korea, where most of the technology was developed. So we, we merged together our, our businesses, and merging also our technology base. So we're now still, uh, what we're doing now basically is we have these web reading services, we have solutions, Texas speech solutions for education, distant learning, uh, learning management systems. Um, we develop core technology, Texas speech using um, uh, various technologies. I will come into that later. Um, and yeah, selling server and SDKs and, uh, and cloud solutions. So we've been in cloud solution providers since 1999. Wow. And what 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 kind of got you into it then? Where did your kind of where did your sort of like personal journey come into text to speech, and what what interested you about that in the first place to go ahead and and then create a company that, that specialises in it? Yeah, I've always been very you know interested in technology uh, overall, and I have a background of you know uh, uh, recording engineer and uh, you know, a lot in the music uh, industry, uh, also in sales and marketing. So uh, I was working at this other place before 1999 uh, and then uh, me and some friends we thought let's you know let's see if, we, if the web could talk I mean who could benefit from it so initially we thought about this is going to be a lot about recording people recording um, you know yeah having text speech enabled by real people but obviously the web uh, is pretty dynamic in nature text changes all the time so we started to let's see let's use text-to-speech technology instead which was Kind of you know robotish uh, at the time, um, but uh, but really the heart of, of in my journey, what's been most most important is that in the ways that the text speech technology can really help people, uh, it can really make things uh, accessible, which isn't uh, if if you don't have these uh, this access to these technologies. So really, uh, yeah, making use of the technology to make yeah you know the world a better place has been <laughs> really be my my uh my hard feeling but i mean yeah so the journey has been long uh and a lot of things have happened especially in the last few years and i'll be happy to talk a bit more about that cool yeah. 
let's do that. We'll 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 do that in just one moment. But first, a uh, quick shout out to uh, Denise in Dallas, who's tuning in from Texas. Uh, Kirsten in NYC. We've got Ahmad from Berlin and Raymond from Barcelona. So thank you everyone for tuning in. If anyone has any questions about uh, text-to-speech technology, use cases, applications uh, for Nicholas, then please do drop them in the comments and uh, and, and we'll get around we'll get around to that. Um, so you were hinting at there, uh, Nicholas, the the kind of history of, of text-to-speech and, and where it's come from and what the developments have been. What is the kind of hit? I mean. Honestly, Dustin, I, I I know that we kind of we talk about the history of voice assistants and stuff like that, and and and, and kind of like what the what the past was, and you know we had John uh, Bloom talking about where things were in the past with with nuance and stuff like that. But I don't know from your perspective, Dustin, have you got any kind of uh, prior experience with uh, text to speech beyond or before the kind of you know starting the podcast and and, and doing uh, you know building Alexa skills, etc. Not much. I would say that text to speech almost feels like the. Um, if you've got a, a trifecta of, of uh, voice technologies with the uh, speech to text, the NLU, and you've got the text to speech, the text to speech, I feel like is often overlooked. Um, and I think you're probably going to tell us that it's it's wrongly overlooked, but I think uh, it's definitely one of the ones that's that's most overlooked, perhaps because the other two can fail so so uh, spectacularly, whereas the text to speech. Um, it's going to fail like every single word and it's going to be not as, as, as powerful as it can be, but people maybe feel like they can get away with something a little subpar. Yeah. Would you, would you say that's, would you say that's, uh, that, that, that's fair that, that it's a little bit like, so you mentioned your audio background and we've had discussions with a lot of audio engineers on the show and they always kind of, they always reference the five is audio as an after, or is it the fact four is, <laughs> I can't even count, audio <laughs> as an afterthought in that, you know, audio is crucial and so important, but people tend to think about it last. Is that kind of the similar kind of thing with, te- with text-to-speech or do, you, or do you think there is uh, in the industry on an equal footing with, with the speech recognition and NLU? Well, I, I think the, uh, uh, I mean, if, if you look today at, at the, all the voice assistants, uh, out there, like you say, you need speech to text, you need to have NLU, you need to have text to speech, uh, and everything should just work, right? Um, but, but I mean, in that context, I mean, speech is the is the, is, is the only not silent technology in that mix. Uh, everything else should just uh, work. But the thing that you're really communicating with as a as a user, I mean, the user experience is that you you talk. You just you know, assume the system will understand you, and when the system talks back to you, this is that is sort of where the interaction really happens. So I think it's really important to uh, to, to look at you know to, to have the to maximize the user experience by having the, the appropriate text to speech voices, uh, having uh, you know branded text to speech voices to stand out from the clutter because. Um, now all brands or you know, companies they speak with the same voice more or less. You know, if it's on Google Home, it will be the Google Voices or you know, Google Assistant. Uh, it could be uh, with a Poly or Amazon Voices when it's an Alexa device, etc. So, yeah, I, I think it's, it's 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 really important. It's also a bit tricky because it's uh, when you do text to speech, you you are sort of yeah, you make creating synthetic speech and your brain is really sensitive to, to distortions or if something is pronounced very strange or something is uh, yeah, not read correctly. Uh, it sort of tricks the brain a bit more than if the other, you know, the other technologies, speech of text, NLU, they are, you know, you don't, you don't experience them, right? You experience the speech and your, your brain is very picky uh, on that subject. That's a very good point. Because because we so we're so used to speaking to other humans that it's it's probably more prevalent, isn't it, when we hear something like like text to speech or we hear because because there's some examples of I mean, Reed Speaker, I've sponsored the podcast in the past and and we've had a a close look at uh, the the kind of text to speech that Reed Speaker produces and, and it is pretty good, but there is some fairly kind of subpar. Uh, solutions out there, um, which you can set, you can tell a mile off. You know, it's it's really obvious. And 
going back then, going back through the kind of, you know, Reedspeaker launched in 1999, there's been huge progress since then. There was there was still things going on before then, you know, you look right the way back to, you know, the shoebox and, and things like that of, of like in 50s or the 30s even in trying to get computers to, to talk. What's your experience been like, either from 99 to now or even before then, of, of Texas Speech Solutions? How would you summarize the journey it's been on and where it is now? Yeah, I can just add that I mean, the first Texas Speech sort of system was, or yeah, it was an attempt made in 1779. Uh, already uh, with a mechanic uh, TTS with uh, acoustic resonators like a human vocal tract and the uh, resonators with vibrating reeds like uh, you know like a saxophone are pretty awesome but yeah like I said Bell Laboratories uh, around mid 30s they made the first real progress in uh, speech synthesis uh, and then I mean the first three you know, full text speech system was developed in, in Japan in, in 1968. And then after that, like in 70s and, you know, early 80s, there were a lot of, you know, commercial players that started to to develop text speech like Texas Instruments with a speaking spell. Um, also, uh, what's it called? Uh, uh, Curse had this uh, system, because it was mainly research at that point. I mean, see, how can we, you know, how can we mimic the, the human voice, uh, you know, electronically? basically. Um, but I mean, the first use cases, apart from the speak and spell boxes, I don't know if you remember them, mm-hmm. was, was the curse file, uh, the reading machine for the blind, uh, which was really an optical scanner with uh, sort of yeah, OCR and, and speech capabilities. Um, so, I mean, initially, and especially because the, the, the speech was of such a, I would say, you know, special quality and quite robotic, it, it didn't appeal to, to most people. Uh, but of course, for people that were blind, you know, visually impaired, uh, this was this was a big game changer for them because all of a sudden they can actually use systems that they couldn't mm-hmm. use otherwise. I mean, all the use cases initially was really in accessibility, in uh, you know, assistive technology and stuff. And that also, when I started, of course, there were text-to-speech systems used in in the IVR systems, so telephony systems, you know, touch tone, uh, yeah. You know, simple switchboards, um, and and I mean, we we were the first one to introduce the speech as a service on, on the cloud. Even before you know, cloud was was a thing, uh, even broadband internet didn't really exist at that time. But um, that enabled also people to to add text speech very conveniently in their you know web applications or later mobile apps. So I mean, we've seen the development. I think with first comes accessibility. Uh, then comes uh, uh, use cases for for telephony systems and for mobile, and what happened then next? I would say the big boom was in education because using text speech in in uh, in, in education really helps people that have learning disabilities, uh, low literacy levels, or dyslexia or other other uh, disadvantages. So uh, we we saw a big boom in, in, in that space. Um, and then after that, I mean, what happened now, everything's really focused on, on um, uh, voice assistance, right? Uh, but also what we see is um, other things around the AI development, such as you know, smart conversational systems in robots, like social robots, uh, also in embedded devices, the IoT. So, I mean, this never happened so much that requires text-to-speech that, it, you know, than what we see today. And I think this is a very thrilling fantastic time to to be in this business because uh, uh, yeah things are happening in a, in a very fast speed because yeah, you're talking about uh, earlier you're talking about brands using voices to sort of brand themselves and here you're talking about the the explosion of speaking objects uh, yeah. robots IOT uh, assistants etc as humans were I think sort of used to, each, each person having a voice. Kane has a voice, you have a voice, I have a voice, and, and we can recognize those voices. And if, if Kane's voice came out of your mouth, I would be very confused. Uh, but, uh, you know, you're only producing how many voices today? Uh, well, today we have around 90 different uh, off-the-shelf voices mm-hmm. in approximately 35 different languages. So we, mm-hmm. what we focus on is to re- make, make you know, really high-quality text-to-speech 
voices in the languages that we support. And we constantly develop more languages as well. We will come up with a few more this year. Um, so, yeah, um, that's what we do. But I mean, I think it's dep depending really much on the application context. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, uh, what sort of, what kind of voice is appropriate for what kind of service or, or, or product? For example, like it's okay for a robot to actually sound robotic because it's if it's like a uh, if it a humanoid sort of it mm. looks like a person but it have your know, clear robotic features. Well, then to sound robotic only, you know, it's it's right. Um, but then you have if, you, if you're talking about different, you know, like speaking styles. I mean, if you're talking about uh, news or weather forecasts, you, you, you express yourself in, in a certain mm. way uh, compared to if you, if you read aloud uh, like an audiobook or something. Or even if you look at, uh, I mean, people that are blind or, or reading dis have reading disabilities, they have also digital talking books. And they, they are like audiobooks, but without the drama, right? It should be very neutral, you know, neutral and natural. Um, and you should not really put any feelings into it because the, it's the text, it's the content that should sort of be the bearer of, 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 uh, of emotions and feelings. You should interpret it yourself, just like normal text. So, so I think uh, there's, there's a variety of, of voices and voice styles and speaking styles, and there's a variety of, of, of applications. And I think it's important to mix that correctly. But, but we have also, I mean, we launched our new uh, production unit called Voice Lab just uh, a few months ago, a team dedicated to develop custom branded voices. Mm -hmm. So that if you have a very specific application context, you, we can sort of tailor make a very optimal uh, voice for that. Yeah, yeah that, that's something I was curious about. Uh, if it's a, a potential problem for brands and consumers that you know maybe my utility company uses the same voice as my credit card company, is that going to cause confusion? Is that something that it sounds like certain brands at least want to try and avoid that and have their own unique voice? Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. But I think what will happen now is is because take it back a few years. I mean, when when you had the graphical you know web, uh, then graphic design. Uh, was really important. Obviously, that was important even before that. So to build your brand, brand recognition, communicate your brand values, you need to have a you know flashy logotype that sort of represents who you are as a company. So and that was all graphical, right? Uh, that works well in print, works well in, in on the web. But when you're all of a sudden in a um, in a voice only context, well, then obviously you can't really see the brand. I mean, then the voice branding and sonic branding it becomes really really important. So customers or you know, brands that have already like a strong jingle, they might use a specific speaker voice for their commercials, um, et cetera. I mean, they have carefully picked those uh, voice talents to be, you know, to have a voice that re reflects the brand values, the, just like a, like a logotype. And, and in a world of, of voice, I mean, how can you be seen unless you have your own characteristic special voice? You should be able to hear. Yeah, that is uh, that is McDonald's, or that is uh, uh, Scandinavian Airlines, or that is you know, this or that bank. I think that will become extremely important uh, over time as we enter the the voice only uh, and hybrid uh, platforms. Yeah. Kane, outside of Alexa or Google or or Siri or Bixby or or those big ones, do you think there are any artificial voices that you could pick out of a lineup? Um, maybe not, uh, at the moment, to be honest. Um, but it's interesting because I can certainly pick up human voices, you know, and, and because we're so kind of hardwired for audio and for speech, you know, you can pick out a friend or a colleague or someone who you know's voice just by hearing it. And I w I'm wondering whether it's, I mean, I could pick out Alexa and, and Google Assistant, I think, without a shadow of a doubt. And I'm wondering whether it's because um, we don't often hear text-to-speech voices quite as often as we hear human voices yet. Uh, uh, whether that's kind of what it is uh, at the moment in terms of us not being able to identify it. Um, I don't know, what do you, what do you think? I think there's just one. There's just one that, because it was so tonally 
weird. And this goes to a little bit what you were talking about earlier, Nicholas, like choosing the right, the right voice for the right context. I don't know if they still do it, but at least in the US, American Express had the most uh, unusual voice. American Express largely targeting, um, you know, business accounts, you know, people who have, or maybe a little more established in their careers, but their speech to text sounded like a teenager. Really? There was always that like slight lilt at the end, like, do you want to open your account? And like, <laughs> there was that like a little vocal fry. And you're like, why is a teenager asking, like helping me out with American Express? And so that one I could absolutely pick out, but it may be sort of what you were talking about, Nicholas, uh, is um, perhaps choosing the wrong one is where you're becoming the most memorable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably right. <laughs> so what what is the, what's the process then for, to, to create a, a synthetic voice that 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 kind of is able to read out text. You know, is the process different for if you were going to create one just like a a synthetic voice that you would have? You know, not based on a specific person's voice. Or uh, you know, so for example, on the one hand, you've got like a you know one of the read speaker voices that you provide, but then you've got maybe if you create a version of my voice, is there a difference in the process? And I'm wondering whether, without revealing the kind of secret sauce, whether you can kind of talk us through like what it is and kind of how it works and what the process is. Yeah. Uh, I would say that the, uh, I mean, so, some of our off the shelf voices, I mean, they, we've spent years on fine tuning them and making them, you know, super, but also, uh, there's been a big shift in technology because, uh, from, from the beginning, uh, when we started this up until just recently, uh, we have used technology called unit selection, um, which is like a concatenation of, of small audio snippets. So you basically record, a lot of speech, you uh, cut it up in small, 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 small pieces of sound. You sort of tag them and bag them. Um, uh, and then you have the in- incoming text and you need to uh, sort of normalize the text or so numbers and acronyms and all that should be, uh, you to have instruction on how, how they should be pronounced. And then you will pick using certain algorithms, you will pick the right units sort of to make up the text uh, that you want to have spoken and then it's uh, basically spoken out uh, and that is was quite a you know labor intense project uh, and took like over half a year to to, to make a, a high quality voice be it off the shelf voice a standard voice or a custom voice because there's a lot of QA there's a lot of uh, manually correcting uh, all these edges and all the different audio snippets so that they you don't get sort of glitches in, in the speech uh, so, so that was quite a quite a handful. But in recent years, uh, the, the last few years, I think it's been accelerated by by uh, you know tech giants like Google and and Amazon, uh, Microsoft and, and IBM among others, to to use uh, AI uh, technology. So uh, deep neural networks, uh, having more big data approach to the problem, um, and and that process is quite different and in the, in the voice lab uh, now where we create custom voices we we will also use this snow moving forward for our standard voices but then you basically have speech and text and you put it into a sort of in a system and you train sort of an ai uh, with it and uh, after that you you will have the text coming into the system uh, it will use one of the sort of dnn models to, to understand how it should be pronounced. And then it's sent to another DNN module called a neural vocoder that will form this, this speech signal. Uh, and where the speech signal is formed, that is sort of where you also apply the characteristics of that, you know, the specific voice that you have recorded. But that also makes it possible to use, you know, to tweak it, to use other people's voices with other people's speaking styles and stuff like that. So now it's, it's just like a matter of, you know, six to eight weeks for us to develop a custom voice that sounds you know really really high quality on par with the top of the market. So yeah, it's been yeah. Thank you AI and big data. <laughs> yeah. And and DNN, I'm assuming that's deep neural networks. Yeah, correct. Okay, so so let me just make sure that I kind of understand this in my head. Then so the so you start out with text, and that can be given to the system presumably in a variety of different ways, um, coming from the end point where whatever the, the system is that's feeding it. And then you break down that text into 
kind of its individual component parts, like it's essentially its its phonemes. Is is that kind of accurate? Yeah. You break yes. it down first. Yeah, in the old system, that is what, how we did it. Yes, but in the new system, it's uh, we don't use audio snippets anymore. We just use uh, computer models that have been trained with uh, audio data and corresponding texts. So that that is the big difference. So these days, we don't need to to do that. Uh, that is also what speeds up the process and also what uh, makes the quality higher. However, it consumes much more calculating power. Right, uh, you need to have uh, yeah more more compute intense. So, the, so these deep neural networks have already been trained on the various different makeup of all of the various different words that exist. Is that right? Yeah, but, but you don't need to have all the words. You need to, to teach it on how to, uh, to pronounce certain combinations so you can speak anything. I mean, if you have like a script of, let's say, uh, you know, 5,000 sentences, uh, you, you record and you take that text and the audio and train a model from it and then you can feed it any text whatsoever even though it's not been recorded any word um, but we'll, we also have you know certain components to be able to guess a, you know, properly guess a pronunciation based on statistics uh, basically and uh, yeah there's a lot of yeah nice <laughs> also some secret sauce <laughs> in, in there obviously yeah but I mean that is how in, in various shapes and forms that is how sort of modern tts is is uh, is made yeah okay so so you get the fed text that is run through a deep neural network that will essentially tell you how these words should be pronounced and then after that once you understand how it should be pronounced you mentioned that you put the essentially almost like the i think of it as like css for audio where you would actually make the voice pronounce things in a certain in a certain way is that is that the bit where you would kind of determine whether it's a sentence you might move up at the end or whether it's a statement you might end it a little bit short or how many pauses you put in it is that is that that bit essentially yeah yes yeah, it's for a good analogy i mean because yeah Put this way, it's sort of if you put in text, it marks it up with nice CSS, and then it's rendered like it's uh, it's rendered in a in a web browser. The CSS is rendered into this nice you know, graphics or, or whatever. Uh, that's what the vocoder does when it renders speech signal, and, and that is how you sort of apply the yeah the uh, yeah the characteristics and the style to this uh, signal. Yeah. Right. Interesting. How is that able to be done? It, or is it able to be done like on the fly or do you need to sort of like feed it the text then work out how you're going to pronounce it and then distribute it or is some of that stuff done on the fly like if you were to just feed it a question with a question mark at the end it knows that and it, it can then behave accordingly yeah yeah correct so i mean uh first the, the training of the model because it needs to learn first that's, that's quite you know compute intense and can take some time but then when you feed it uh, let's say you can give it a whole you know, document and it will start speaking within you know like milliseconds uh, because it will start to to, to generate and it starts to ship out audio samples so it can start to play back as soon as possible because of course in, in any situation where the system is going to speak to or speak back to you latency is of course quite important it needs to be accurate it needs to be quick so uh, yeah that's pretty much how it's how it's done speaking of documents uh you know amazon announced recently that they have a, a new voice can, I don't know if this was just for Alexa or was this for Polly as well, that can read longer documents and it's a better uh, text-to-speech at these longer documents. Uh, from, for someone who doesn't know, you know everything that, that goes into building these, these voices, why would a text-to-speech system need to handle documents differently than short text? Yeah, I, th I think it's about... Uh, Expressiveness and, and prosody. I mean, uh, what, when we started to develop TTS, we were not really happy with the existing uh, text-to-speech engines out there because they were really optimized for short text. But when we were reading, you know, literature for for students or for uh, web page content, it was a lot of text. And and when I say it's optimized for shorter texts, it's about you know, like a conversational system or IVR system, very short, and it's, it's you have a special um, 
speaking style when you say something, you know, a short utterance. Uh, when it's a longer text, it's, you need to have a totally different flow. Uh, so that is what we did uh, originally uh, to, to really work on, you know, being excellent in reading long texts. Because if you're good at long texts, you're quite decent in short texts as well. Uh, but what we are doing now is to um, is also to develop different speaking styles. So you can use the same voice in different modes. So you can have it like a, we're also working with the like, with a, like, news newscaster style or, or you know different style variations like that using the same voice. So I think that is um, that's important. But that, that's at least the difference I would say between short messages and longer texts is the flow and the prosody. And 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 how do you kind of so. You're kind of touching it there, like a newsreader style, a long form style, a short kind of punchy conversational style. How is it that you then kind of craft those various tones? Is it in that processing bit that you'd mentioned where you have the text rendered in a web browser and then you need to what presumably find a load of newsreader content so that you understand how it should work and then and then you apply that to the system? Is that how is that roughly how it works or how 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 do you go about creating something that is more newsreader style yeah so i mean we do have in, in some of our text of speech voices we have actually a number of both speaking styles like more emotional speaking styles it can sound like angry sad happy or just you know neutral um and, and that had been done by training different sort of emotional models based on a lot of recordings uh but people have basically recorded being you know angry or happy uh, or you know, conversational, uh, or apologetic, uh, and, and stuff like that. Uh, but then, of course, the uh, you need to tell the system because, uh, I mean, uh, today, I mean, text speech is, I would say, in many ways, the, the latest state of the art technology is better, not better yet. It's actually sometimes better than than a real human voice, and it's basically impossible to distinguish it. But when you can sort of easily spot that it's it's this is a person, if it's, it fails with the sort of emotional aspects because even though a text-to-speech voice might sound great it's not aware of what it's actually saying or the meaning of what it says so therefore you need to instruct it saying okay this now comes a small episode now we should sound a bit more apologetic because now you're bringing bad news to the to the user or now uh, or if in, in robots where we uh, where we uh, apply these um, emotional styles quite a bit uh, I mean, they need to, the manufacturer, the programmer needs to say, okay, this is the text uh, that should be read using this style. So you need to instruct it. So, okay, here comes something happy. Here comes something uh, you know, angry, etc. That's interesting. I've never thought about it like that before, that the system doesn't actually know what it's actually saying and what it what the thing it's saying actually means that's a that's such an interesting sort of observation because that just goes to show how much you kind of can't help but personify the anything that speaks you know you never really think about the fact that it's just kind of words that that a system's reading out and it doesn't really know what it is so that's probably the reason why there is such a push then is that to to create something that sounds more emotive or more like a news reader or or to be able to read long form content one of the things that that I was wondering on, so I was using Google Assistant the other day, uh, and I can't remember the exact thing that I said, but it ended up reading one of the things. One of the responses was something to do with Danny Minogue. Now, don't ask me why I'm searching for stuff related to Danny Minogue. I'm pretty sure it wasn't related to Danny Minogue, but anyway, the word Danny has two eyes in it. D-A-N-N-I-I. And Google Assistant, I don't want to pick on it, but it pronounced it Danny I. Minogue. So it said, such and such Danny I. Minogue. And I've noticed that a couple of times on, on Google Assistant recently where I've been doing some various bits of testing and I've noticed it trip up slightly here and there. Have you noticed that, Dustin, before? A little bit. I think one thing that I noticed, and it may be better now, but... Uh highways in the US at least, you're going to say 288 or you're going to say 35. But uh, Google would always read it out, state highway 288. Uh, and it's just those little things where you go, okay, yeah, this is a computer. Yeah. And Siri Siri does that as well. If you're using directions for Siri, it'll rather, because obviously the road names in the UK, are you get like A roads, B roads and M roads. And the A roads are pronounced A. So when we go back up north, we drive up the A1. But, but Siri will pronounce it A. 
and it will say A1. And so if you're not paying attention, it will end up saying, go, you know, take the next exit onto A1. And you're like, oh, hang on, that doesn't make any sense. So I'm interested in your perspective, Nicholas, in terms of like, how can you, how do you catch those things, you know, how and, and, and what is it that's going on when we do see these kind of hiccups, like pronouncing Danny Imanog and A1 and, and Dustin's example, like what's going on and how can you go about catching it and fixing it? Yeah, I think since we have, you know, a history of selling web reading services to all kinds of customers in media and government and in education, um, we, we initially made the system so that we could easily, you know, create pronunciation rules that can also be context dependent. So you can say if, if, if there is a Especially a great example was the one university that was speech enabled all their their content and all their websites, and they have different you know faculties, different institutions, and they might use the uh, you know the same uh, acronyms, but they mean different things, or they can uh, so you, can, you need to have even within one domain, you need to be able to read things differently depending on on the rest of the context around it. And there's also like how we work with the homographs uh, that are you know spelled. I mean, content and content, for example, what, what should it be? Or uh, also like uh, capital D and R. So is, is it doctor or is it drive? Well, it's depending on the context. So what we've done is to have a very powerful uh, NLP, so natural language processing step that can, um, that we can, you know, over, over time just add more rules to it. Because one thing with the, uh, uh, statistics only, or statistical uh, uh, text-to-speech systems like the one in Google Assistant, uh, is that they are, you know, they sound pretty, f- you know, fantastic in some contexts, really weird in others. Like you said, uh, if there are really things that are, are written in a way that uh, uh, you don't read it literally the way it's spelled, uh, they usually fail because they're there. It's yeah, there, there are, you can't add exceptions. Um, but in our, also in our end-to-end TTS, the highest sort of quality uh, deep learning uh, neural TTS we have, we have this uh, NLP step. So we can create these, uh, or we add these, um, uh, you know, context-dependent uh, uh, pronunciations. And I mean, things, uh, it's also, like I said, we're, some words are not in the dictionaries or you need to sort of make up how you should pronounce it. And there we have quite powerful also AI or machine learning um, uh, mechanisms to, to, to guess the pronunciation. But sometimes it, it comes out wrong and, uh, and then we basically add it either to the dictionary or make a special rule for it. So I think we have been, have the you know, opportunity of working with so much content uh, really hands-on over the years. So we have, of course, created massive amounts of, of these you know, rule sets and then and exceptions and so forth. So if you compare diff- the same challenging uh, uh, text to different text-to-speech engines, they will all read it quite differently depending on how, I would say, how good they are in, in a natural language processing point of view. Hmm. Yeah, a long answer. But I, no, no, it's a good <laughs> answer. I'm, I'm, I'm just processing it. I'm thinking I didn't actually realize that text-to-speech solutions also had a degree of NLP, natural language processing, natural language understanding, in there as well. Yeah, because you have all the text normalization. Uh, you have, uh, uh, yeah, you need to be able to pre-process things. If, if there is like a, in the US, I mean, the telephone number uh, has a different, certain sequence of numbers and that you want to have read in a certain way and a social security number in another. And there's depending on the grouping and, 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 and the context uh, in a wider scope that you should pronounce the same or similar things very differently depending on, on the context. So trying to, sort of, you know, learn from those and, and apply it instead of just uh, sort of vanilla style, just, you know, rabble out numbers or digits, right? So try to make it best possible user experience. I think that's, that's yeah, what we're trying to do. Mm. Uh, we've got Michael saying hello from Chile. Hello, Michael. Carl Robinson. Shout out to Carl Robinson, the Voice Tech Podcast, joining us from Paris. Bonjour. And uh, Simon uh, tuning in. Simon Mackey from London. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If anyone's got any questions for Nicholas, uh, anything to do with text-to-speech, uh, any questions that you have, fire them into the comments there on LinkedIn and we'll put them to Nicholas. Um, 
We kind of touched on earlier on the, the, some of the different use cases that you're seeing in, in terms of where people are applying text-to-speech. And obviously, for, for most of the work that we do, maybe for, for some of the most of the listeners tuning in, most of their kind of uh, applications are likely to be in some kind of voice user interface, voice assistant kind of uh, setup. In that context, um, maybe we can get into some other use cases kind of towards the end. It'd be nice to, to kind of hear a little bit more of, of where else text-to-speech is being applied. But for people who want to kind of build their own um, assistant or their own voice user interface, which we're seeing more and more and more, what is the process that they should go through in, in finding a text-to-speech provider? Obviously, they can just go ahead and check out ReadSpeaker, but what are some of the considerations that people have from, from the work that you've been doing over the years uh, and working with clients? What are some of the things that people consider and need to consider when looking for a text-to-speech solution? Well, I think, I mean, we have worked with a few uh, parties that have developed their own voice assistant, for example, and then they have a uh, you know, some of them have you know licensed some third-party uh, speech-to-text, or they have developed their own. Sometimes, if it's kind of limited domain or limited vocabulary, that is not too difficult. Uh, NLU. Some people are you know, developing it; they have it as a platform, or they even use uh, you know the, the big tech giants stuff. When it comes to text-speech, it's really about yeah a few different things. First, it needs to be. Yeah, price versus quality, of course. You need to score well there. Uh, we have uh, some of the best uh, well, sounding voices if, for some languages, and uh, I think that's that shows that we can do, <laughs> do decent quality. Uh, and then, of course, what people have been a bit... You know, they, want, they want to be able to use the, the voice in any kind of, you know, application or different deployments. Because if you go to, I mean, we all know from the news that, you know, uh, Amazon uh, offers also custom voices now that you can actually go record with them. I think uh, Microsoft is doing something similar. But, but then you are sort of locked into their their environment, their platforms, and their infrastructure. Uh, some people are not, you know, happy with that, obviously, for, for, you know, privacy reasons. They don't want to share their data. They want to have it run on their own servers. But also, we've had uh, situations where um, people want to have the, the text-to-speech engine running uh, in the device itself, so you don't really use any you know cloud solution. It can be on a mobile app, for example, or it can be a, a smart speaker, uh, or you actually want to have it on the device. Uh, and we offer you know a variety of different deployment methods. And if you develop a custom voice with us, you can use it with a web API, sort of the cloud thing. But you can also run it on your own servers, not requiring uh, GPUs even. You can run it on mobile uh, apps. You can run it on you know small small devices kiosks, not connected devices even. So I think that is an important consideration because if you make the investment of creating your, your own voice for your assistant or, or for some other purposes, you will, you want, of course, to reuse that voice in, in all the different touch points that you can think of today and, and also in the future. And uh, so having a, a supplier that can, can sort of fill that need uh, can respond to that in a, in a good fashion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, and you need to be. I think. Sorry, last no, thing. Uh, uh, if, if you're in a, if you're a global company, um, I think it's important that you 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 work with a supplier that is also global in nature, uh, where we have uh, you know linguistic resources. Uh, we have we have offices in in uh, twelve countries uh, today, um, and we have a lot of you know in-house uh, yeah linguistic resources. So we can also work with multiple. Uh, languages if it's required. I mean, some of the startups, they have some, you know, shows cool stuff, but it's only in English and it can only run in the cloud. I mean, and then you limit yourself. They maybe claim that you only need to have three minutes of, of audio recordings, but then the speaking style of the original voice actor will not be captured. So there are, there's a lot of things uh, happening out there. So just be picky, <laughs> be selective and aim for you know, top-notch quality. Mm. Yeah. We've got a question from uh, from Raymond in uh, Barcelona. Did you say you were at Raymond? Yeah, Barcelona. Um, so you mentioned, and it's quite a nice segue, given that we, you kind of just uh, referred to custom voices. He's asking that uh, to get a custom specific text-to-speech voice for your brand, which is unique and scalable, as you were just mentioning, um, is it is it extremely expensive? Uh, and before you answer that question, I'll kind of just add, Raymond, that I've heard from people who've worked with Amazon on this, and 
yes, on Amazon's side, it is frighteningly expensive. <laughs> mm. um, so, so I don't. We're not asking you necessarily to re- reveal any costs, but is is it fairly expensive today? Is it kind of reserved from those for those kind of like global brands? And and if so, do you see the price coming down in future? Well, I, th- I think what we try to do is to package our offering with a voice lab uh, so that people can you know, afford uh, to have it. And for companies and brands, it's, it's not a big investment. I think there are also two pieces of, of, the, of the cost side. One is uh, the development cost of, of you know, creating the, uh, the, the voice. Then, uh, and excluded from that is the, the voice actor fee because different voice actors charge differently. If you take, I know, uh, some super famous person or someone you know from the shoe shop around the corner it would be you know, different uh, but if you need to have a, you need to have a voice a professional voice actor uh, and, and professional studio cost but we have uh, different sort of I wouldn't say quality levels but uh, we have one voice is only using um, like uh, what is it uh, like three hours uh, of, of speech data uh, and that basically is like nine hours of studio time or voice actor time. And we have another that are uh, about uh, 10 hours of speech data. Uh, so the development cost and, and time is, is, is a bit different. But I mean, roughly, the development costs can be around, I don't know, you know 40, 50K euros, uh, which is not uh, a lot. And of course, it, it depends on... on um, yeah, amount of QA and a lot of stuff. But uh, the other side of the of the cost uh, side is, of course, the licensing fee for actually then using the TTS because the first that, that is pretty much like traditional uh, text speech licensing. Uh, there's sort of a minimum fee per year, but uh, it's a. Uh, I mean, if you want it for an IVR or a, let's say for a, a voice assistant solution, then it's depending on the, on the capacity. So should it be able to serve like? thousand or you know, 10,000 simultaneous users, then you need to have, you know, scale it for that and you license it depending on, on some kind of, of quantity, measurable quantity. If we're going to be, have, have it, uh, if we're going to deliver it, uh, we're going to host the voice for you in our cloud, then it's basically a per character or per, per message uh, fee. So, we're very flexible, <laughs> and I'm not a business guy. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> and and, and, just, and a pretty pretty reasonable price that forty fifty k is is uh, well lower than what I've heard, Dustin. Yeah, I mean, uh, you could buy a car, you could buy your own uh, text to speech. It's a it's a pretty good trade off. <laughs> yeah, uh, Nicholas. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Okay. No, no, no. I was just going to say. Yeah, no. That's uh, that's that's about it. Yeah. Yeah, Nicholas, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, and, and again, thanks to everyone who's on LinkedIn joining us live or joining us in the future as well. Nicholas, if people want to find out more about you, find out more about your service, where they can, where can they find you? Uh, I think the best place would be readspeaker.com. And also we have a, a little uh, a sort of uh, a mini site called readspeaker.ai. Uh, where we also show more of our our new uh, latest research, uh, high quality samples, and more about uh, you know custom voices. Great. Yeah. Well, thanks. Yeah, thanks so much. Well, thank you guys. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. And thank yeah, thank you as Dustin mentioned. Thank you everyone tuning in on LinkedIn, and uh, we'll be back probably Dustin same time next week. Yeah, let's try and make it happen. Let's try and do it. Uh, yeah, until next time. Thank you, and see you soon. <laughs>